Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. After her mother was diagnosed with breast cancer, my guest today gave up her Diet Coke and Cheez-Its lifestyle and initiated a health exploration that, together with her entrepreneurial spirit, led to the birth of a booming bone broth company, Owl Venice, which famously replaced garlic and onions with ginger and turmeric, among other popular innovations. About a year ago, a chance meeting while vacationing in Mexico led to a whirlwind romance. She waited nearly two full weeks before fast-tracking her plans to start a family with her new love. Last time we talked, she was nearly due to deliver, and we discussed her plans for imminent home birth. In this episode, we get the rest of the story. Lindsay Wilson, welcome back to the podcast. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Oh, my God. It's such an honor. Let me start by offering you warm congratulations on your recent birth. Thank you. Thank and you. Because of your lightning fast family building pace, I hope that you're not yet <laughs> pregnant again. Not yet pregnant again, no. <laughs> All right. Last time we talked, your plans had kind of shifted from maybe doing a home birth with a midwife in Mexico to planned home birth in Los Angeles with your partner, a midwife assistant, a doula, and of course, the two dogs. And we talked about that aside from the typical reasons that people choose for giving birth at home, you had extra incentive because it was during COVID and hospitals were requiring masking while you were laboring and in birth and limiting who you could bring with you, certainly not the dogs. But with that said, you also continued to see your OBGYN, who you really loved, and were open to going to the hospital to give birth if that became necessary for safety. So let's start with this. Last time I talked to you, it felt like you were so close to going to labor, like it could be a day or two later. I think mm. I saw you on a Wednesday, and then I had him the following Monday. Okay, so there was still a little time to go. Yeah. How was yeah, the last I, week of your pregnancy? I tried everything every day. <laughs> yeah. Why were you so eager to get the baby out? Were you up against a deadline or were you just uncomfortable? No, I think I was just uncomfortable and ready. And for as fast as we decided to start a family, I thought I would be totally fine with him coming late. And what's funny is the whole pregnancy, I said I wanted him to come on May 31st because... His dad and I both have holiday birthdays. I'm Halloween, Luis's Valentine's Day. And so I thought it would be cool if he was born on Memorial Day. And then by 36 weeks, I was like, yeah, never mind. Just come, <laughs> <laughs> come now. <laughs> and then he was born on the 31st. So, oh, look at that. Yeah. Oh, wow. So when you say you tried everything every day, what kind of things? I came to see you. I was doing almost daily acupuncture, a lot of walking, walking up hills, eating spicy foods, drinking raspberry leaf tea. And did you feel like any of those things were particularly helpful? No, actually, I had listened to your podcast with Hillary Duff and on Sunday, before I went into labor later that day, I ended up drinking castor oil after listening to her talk about her story and saying how I think with her, her water broke and then she didn't go into labor. So she tried the castor oil to get her labor going. I listened to that and then another friend told me castor oil. So I ended up drinking two tablespoons of castor oil the morning I went into labor. Just by itself? Just by itself. <laughs> mm. Two tablespoons at the same time or a tablespoon and then waiting in another tablespoon? 
a tablespoon and then waiting and taking another tablespoon. How long in between? I think I took them about two hours apart. Okay. Did you feel anything after the first one? No, I actually did not have a problem with my bowels emptying out or anything like that. Yeah, but also, did you feel anything changing with your uterus? Well, I started getting contractions around 2 p.m. We went to the movies, and I started getting contractions. So I took the first tablespoon around 10 a.m., I think, and then again around 12 p.m. Oh, and then two hours after that. Yeah. Okay. Was that the beginning of labor? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. How did things progress? So we went to go see Cruella at the movies, and I was getting contractions, but it felt similar to Braxton Hicks that I had been getting. So I didn't think much of it. And then we went out to dinner afterwards and they started picking up a little bit and being a little more frequent. So then I was like, hmm, maybe this is it. But I still hadn't said anything to Luis at this point because I was still kind of thinking it might be in my head about it. But um, he invited a friend of ours over and we met him at the house and we were outside like just chatting and I started timing my contractions then. I texted my friend Stacy, who was my doula and she told me just to start timing them because I was like, I'm not really sure if this is it because it wasn't really hurting me at all. So I wasn't sure if it could be labor. So I started timing them with this app and after about 45 minutes, it told me to go to the hospital. So I was like, okay, I must be in labor now. Oh, really? Do you remember what characteristics there were to your labor pattern that made I remember they were like a minute long contraction, I think one to two minutes long maybe, and then a couple minutes apart, three minutes apart maybe. Is that right? I mean, it could be. How did they feel to you? I mean, other than seeing them on the They were so mild that I was like, this can't be it. Like, this really really? can't. Yeah. And my friend was like, no, that's how I ended up having my baby in the bathtub and not making it to the hospital. I think you're in labor. I'm just going to come over. And I was like, I don't know. She has two kids, so I didn't want her to come over unless it was really happening. But it was consistent for two hours enough where we were like, okay, this is probably happening, but I have no idea like how long this is going to take because I'm definitely like still totally holding it together right now. Were you in touch with your midwives at all during that time? I told my midwife that I was having frequent contractions, but she was kind of in agreement that um, I must not be like too far along if I was still totally coherent. So she was like, okay, just like, keep me posted. This was probably around 7 PM that I like reached out to my friend and she ended up coming over like, I think an hour or so later. What's funny is the morning after you have the baby, you're like, wow, I'll never forget this. And then like one week later, you're like, I have no idea what happened. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I interviewed somebody recently about a week after she gave birth, and all the details were super clear and super coherent. We hadn't aired it yet, and maybe three weeks later, she's like, hey, can I get that recording? I don't remember anything. (laughs) Yeah. We always try to get you as soon as uh, you have the baby so that we could uh, get all the details. Okay, but I do have this question. You have the two dogs. What kind of dogs are they? They are two, like, mutts. They're shelter dogs, rescue dogs. 
One is like a Chihuahua Terrier mix, and the other is a Spaniel Dachshund mix. How long have they been with you? I've had Kismet for five years and Karma for three years. Okay. Did Karma and Kismet start acting any differently the day you went into labor? Not really, no. no. Business as usual? I mean, to be honest, they didn't give my belly a whole lot of attention the whole time I was pregnant. Kismet paid no attention to my whole labor. Uh, Karma was like concerned and looking and seeing what was happening, but quiet. And then since like they've paid little attention to the baby, but they are wanting more attention from us for sure. (laughs) Okay. So you try everything eventually doing two tablespoons of castor oil, a couple hours apart, watching Corella and having some dinner contractions are happening but they feel mild to you even though they're on a pretty strong pattern in terms of frequency and how long they're lasting and your doula friend is on her way over the midwife's not concerned they also think because you're so comfortable there's not much going on we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll find out what happens next Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Lindsay Wilson. Okay, your doula friend's on her way over. What happens next? So she brought supplies to make a cherry pie. And we had I love your doula. I love her. So (laughs) she's an amazing pie maker. And we kind of made this joke like, oh, it'd be a great thing to distract us from the labor. Let's make a pie. So we had gone this day before, I guess, to the farmer's market and we got a bunch of cherries. And so she came prepared to make a fresh cherry pie. So that's what she did as I was starting to go into a different zone. So once she came over, things started to feel different for you? She came over around eight and I would say like probably around nine or 10, I started getting more intense contractions where they were actually taking my focus. Like I wasn't really helpful. I remember her making the pie, but I wasn't really involved in that process. But the pie was made. The pie was made. And probably by the time the pie went into the oven, I was like long gone because I don't really remember that. And she was the one communicating with my midwife at that point as well. Okay. Do you remember when you felt the surges and they started to take your attention away where you felt them? Mm, In my 
uterus. Like it feels like you're about to have diarrhea is how I would explain it almost. Wow. I'm not sure how to process that because usually people say I felt it more in the front or in the back, but like you're going to have a loss of control. Like that cramping feeling that you get, like when you're about to have diarrhea where your like stomach is cramping and it's like, Oh, like that is kind of like what I would describe it. Like. Okay. I get it better now. So mostly in, in the lower front. Yeah. Lower front. Did you have any of it in your back? I did not have back labor, and I was so happy because I was a little afraid of that. Oh, good. I'm glad you didn't have that. Yeah. Um, what kind of things did you find helpful in terms of comforting yourself or being able to relax and surrender into that? Mm, definitely focusing on the breath and for me, like making noise, which I normally not somebody that makes a lot of noise, but I definitely like use my voice during my contractions. And I was pretty good about resting in between contractions. I did a lot of like sitting, squatting, leaning forward and backwards. Like I sat kind of like on a bolster with my knees together and my legs spread apart. And like when somebody would squeeze my uh, hips together, like go on either side of like my hips and kind of push them together, that was helpful too. Are there other things that people did for you that were helpful? They would do that. They would put pressure on my hips and push them together. Right outside of that, were there other things that people did for you that were helpful? A little bit of massage, but what was interesting is like after going through my birth class and knowing like my partner is a massage therapist, I really thought the whole labor, like we would be totally connected and he would be massaging me, but that is not at all what happened. For some reason, I just didn't want as much touch and his touch felt a little too strong for me. I preferred having my doula or my midwife touching me because their touch was like a lot softer. So I totally understand why women have doulas in the birth, but I kind of felt like I don't need a doula. Like Luis is a massage therapist and he's going to be great. I ended up having one because my friend offered to do it and wanted to do it. And I felt really comfortable with her. So I was like, oh, sure, why not? But I totally understand now why you would want a doula because for some reason like for me I just wanted to be with that feminine energy and the male energy was like a little too much and Luis was really like tending the fire and setting up the tub and just making sure other things were handled so that was interesting. Were there specific things that you ate or drank while you were in labor? Water and that was it. I don't think I ate anything during oh, my labor. Water. I don't normally eat after dinner before breakfast and my labor was right after dinner until right before I would eat breakfast. So I don't think I would normally eat during that time. So I didn't and food never really sounded good to me throughout the labor. As things picked up and became more intense, did you experience any fear? No, not really. I mean, towards the very end, I was afraid I was going to poop in the pool so I got out of the pool and sat on the toilet for a little bit, but no, not really. I didn't have fear about the birth going into it or during it. I had more fear about postpartum. Okay. How did things continue to progress overnight? 
So my midwife came by around one in the morning and contractions were very intense by that point. Like I barely remember her getting there. I don't remember her assistant getting there. I have like a very cloudy memory of that whole time. Like I remember going from the bolster to the bathroom and sitting on the toilet and coming back and laying on the couch a little bit. I did not really go in the bedroom or go on the bed at all or go in the shower, which I expected I would spend like my whole labor in the shower. I think because I heard that getting in the tub too early could slow things down, I just really didn't want to risk like anything slowing down. It felt like a long time and no time at the same time. But I remember somebody saying like, well, the sun's about to rise. And (laughs) for some reason at that point, I was like, are you kidding me? Like (laughs) this has been going on too long. And it was like right after that, that I started pushing and the pushing, I was really lucky. It only lasted like 30 minutes. I Mm. think I had like three pushes and he was out. Prior to that, did you have your cervix checked at any point? No, I did not do any cervical exams. So was there a way for you or the midwives to kind of tell where you were in the process or how much longer things might go? Or were you even thinking about that? I wasn't thinking about that. I took a birth class prior to the birth that I think was super helpful just for preparing me in in terms of like knowing my body is made for this and just breathing through it and bringing in the present moment, not thinking farther ahead about how long is this going to take or how bad is it going to get. And I knew that my midwife's philosophy was not doing cervical exams. So I didn't expect to have updates throughout the labor, aside from knowing that based on my contractions and how I'm progressing, that's how they're able to tell really how far along I am. And once I was ready to push, like my body would just tell me to push. Like I didn't need to know that I was 10 centimeters dilated. And it was true. Like once it was time for me to push, like my body just started doing it. You know, there was no like forcing that. Um, So you said you did get it to the tub at some point because then you got out because you were afraid of the floaties. Yeah. And then did you get back in? I did get back in. He was born in the tub. So I I would say I spent maybe the last two hours of my labor in the tub. I could be wrong about the (laughs) timeline, but I don't remember being in the tub for a very long time, like a little over an hour before I started pushing, maybe two hours. So when you went in the tub the first time, was that just you having an instinct, hey, I want to go in the tub now, or did somebody suggest it? No, my midwife was like, you're ready now to go in the tub. What did it feel like when you got in there? It was definitely a relief and felt nice. But by that point, like my contractions were so intense that it wasn't like I got in there and I was like, oh, I feel amazing. Pass the soap. Yeah. like wasn't like that. (laughs) Um, Okay. So then when you got back into the tub for pushing, you kind of felt your body doing it. Did you also have to assist with the pushing? Yes. Like the first time my body started doing it I didn't really assist with it it was just like a different feeling than contractions where all of a sudden you're like oh like almost like when you throw up like you don't 
try to throw up like your body kind of like just does it for you it was that kind of feeling obviously different end of my body but <laughs> yes yeah so far we got the diarrhea and the uh, vomit uh, comparisons but they <laughs> well, kind of make sense natural body functions yeah. yeah totally and it's your body doing its own thing but that by itself do you think if you had let that continue that would have done the trick or did you feel like you needed to push also no, I think I needed to push also. Like you're working with your body at that point. I didn't have to like push hard. It was just like knowing that my body was doing that, like working with my body and pushing a little bit. I mean, I pushed like two times, I think. And once his head came out, the rest of his body just split on out. So, Was there an increased sensation when the baby's head came through? Yes, I had the ring of fire, and that was definitely a painful, painful moment. Do you recall roughly how long that lasted? Not long, like minutes, probably. Okay. Was that the most intense part of your labor? Yes. Okay. So in water birth, it's kind of interesting. The baby came out unsubmerged. He was submerged when he first came out. He was pulled out pretty quickly because my water broke in the tub at the very end. So the water was like very cloudy and blood in the water and stuff. Oh, so you didn't leave him under too long. What position were you in at that point when you pushed the baby out? I was on my knees. So are you the one who caught the baby or was it someone? No, my midwife got the baby. And then brought the baby out. All right. So it sounds like such a natural experience for you that yeah. labor just started. And although you did have the <laughs> caster, but labor just kind of started and progressed and built up in intensity. And you just were surrounded by people who supported you in riding the wave as your body did the work. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll find out about the afterbirth and how motherhood's going for you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Lindsay Wilson in our story. She just gave birth. Congratulations. Thank you. So you're in the tub, your baby's out. How does that all work logistically in terms of the cord and the placenta? Do you stay in the tub? Do you get out? I stayed in the tub. They put the baby on me and we didn't cut the cord for a while until it stopped pulsing. And then they cut the cord and my placenta, I didn't start having contractions for my placenta to come out. And it was probably like 45 minutes to an hour after I delivered. And my midwife kind of like pulled it out with the cord. Oh, but you're still in the tub at that point? I was still in the tub, yeah. Oh, wow. And holding the baby. Do you remember that moment when you literally picked the baby up onto you? Yeah. I do. I couldn't believe how much hair he had. (laughs) I was just like in shock and I was crying and I was like, oh my God, his hair. Like he has so much hair. I mean, do you think that's all the ginger and turmeric? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Could be. I don't know. Yeah. Did you have heartburn during pregnancy? Only for like a week or so. I had Hmm. bad heartburn and I just drank a bunch of green juice and kind of went away. And I was careful with what I ate after that, like eating more cooling foods because some stuff would give me heartburn. 
I mean, having that baby literally was a very fast process. Like we talked about at the beginning, you met your partner, you got pregnant pretty quick. Is there like an emotional element to the reality of holding your baby for the first time in your arms? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like there's so many emotions and hormones and adrenaline and like there was such a sense of relief of getting through the labor and I was in such a zone of just getting through that that it was almost like coming to afterwards of like where am I (laughs) what just happened so I would think I was in shock for a little bit yeah did you have any tearing or stitching that you needed I did not tear and I did not get any stitches but I had what they called road rash which is essentially like a rug burn on your vagina and that was very painful healing process I don't even like rug burn on my knee. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not convinced that it's any better than tearing. I had to pee into a bucket of water for like two weeks after I had the baby. Oh, wow. And then it healed up. Yeah, and then it healed. um, And I'm still healing. How is motherhood? Motherhood is great. It's full on. And everything anyone ever said about motherhood is true. (laughs) You mean in terms of like the intense workload or the yeah, just how it's the hardest thing you'll ever do and the most rewarding and how your heart's living outside your body and they grow so fast and just like all of the cliche things about motherhood that my friends have said or people have said to me, I'm like just experiencing and bowing to all moms out there because um, for me, I'm breastfeeding on demand and that's been more intense than I expected because, you know, people tell you and in my class, it's like, oh, the baby eats every two hours. I'm like, oh, I could totally handle that. If I have two hours in between feedings, that's like great. But (laughs) that's not really like been my reality. My baby likes to eat nonstop all day. But I've been really lucky because he does usually always sleep a four hour and a three hour stretch at night. So I mean, it could be because right before he came out, your house smelled like cherry pie. (laughs) Yeah, that could be. That was a sweet way to enter the world, I bet. Uh, Okay, so outside of that, are there, in terms of like the emotional transition or the things that people talk about postpartum in terms of sadness or blues, did you experience any of that? I have some days where I feel that. Usually when I'm like exhausted and... Louise is like having stuff to do outside of the house and I'm spending a good part of the day at home with my boobs out and like nothing to wear. And, you know, I have my days where I feel sad and emotional, but I also have days where I feel like I got this and this is amazing and my baby is so cute. And Oh, well, that's uh, lucky. <laughs> yeah. It's everything, I think. The first week, I'll say, like, right after you have the baby, I felt like Superwoman for, like, a week. And I felt amazing and so empowered. And then there's no way to know what your baby's going to be like and how your baby's going to sleep and eat and all of those things. So it's not like you can plan out a schedule with your partner in advance. Like, okay, like you're going to have like from this hour to this hour and all from this hour to this hour. It's like, we kind of have to just go day by day and see how the baby's doing. And we were trying to schedule a time to do the podcast, but like until a week ago, I think he wasn't taking a bottle. So 
figuring that out so that now I can like leave the house for a couple hours if I need to do that. Like we didn't get to that point until five weeks. So. And it's different, I think, for each kid, even to the same parents. A couple of more questions for you. So in our pre-birth interview, you said like you feel like you have a very high pain threshold, but you never broke a bone or anything. So you weren't quite sure. Did labor and birth test your limits on that? How do you feel about that after giving birth? I feel like I definitely have a high pain threshold still because I feel like I was able to get through my labor gracefully. You know, like I wasn't like, oh my God, I can't do this. Like I never had that moment where I said I can't do this or give me drugs or like I heard that you get to this point in your labor where like oftentimes you'll have a lot of self-doubt and like I can't do this and that's totally a normal part of labor. I really didn't experience that. Like when his head came out, that was probably the most pain I've experienced, but it was also such a short period of time. And when it's over, it's over and you have a baby. So nature also plays this trick where like after a couple of weeks, like you just don't even really remember it. Yeah. That way you'll have another one. Yeah. Uh, the round ligament pain was, I think, if I remember correctly, one of your most uncomfortable parts of pregnancy when you're having yeah. a flare-up. Did it bother you during labor at all, and did it immediately go away after birth? That was definitely my biggest complaint throughout the pregnancy. That's how I ended up finding you, and going to see you did help a lot. And I need to come back, because I will say, it didn't bother me during the labor, but I've still had a little bit of pain on that one hip that I was experiencing it. And it just feels weaker on that hip. And my muscles feel softer on that side than the other side. I think that's the best way to explain it. But I still feel the aftermath of where that was happening. But it's not quite like the piercing pain like it was during my pregnancy. That sounds like an imbalance at this point. Um, yeah. My final question for you is, now that you've been through it all, would you do anything differently next time? You know, the only thing that I would do differently is I would just go with my midwife and I wouldn't do the co-care, knowing how I was able to get through my labor and not even question about going to the hospital and my whole pregnancy was super healthy. Not that I have anything against my OBGYN, it was just a lot by the end of it, going to so many appointments. Right, because you literally went to all the appointments that somebody would go to with a midwife and all the appointments that somebody would go to with an OB so that you had both yeah. avenues open to you. But even one of those is a lot by the end of pregnancy. Oh, yeah. And doing two appointments a week by the end of it, I was like, I just want to have this baby so I don't have to go to the doctor again. <laughs> I was just like so over the appointments. And my midwife has a great backup doctor, so I'll probably switch to see that OBGYN or midwife, not a doctor. Yeah. Amazing. I assume you're getting lots of bone broth. Yes, lots of bone broth. My friends have been great. I've done some mother's bees meals. And yeah, my parents were here for a little over a week and they cooked a lot. My partner cooks a lot. So that sounds great. Yeah. All right, Lindsay, thank you so much for sharing your story, your wonderful story. Where can we find you online? You can find us at Owl Venice. I'm Lindsay Owl. And then owlvenice.com if you're interested in bone broth or gut resets or anything like that. 
Amazing. Thanks again for sharing your story. And at home, thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. Let's connect on Instagram at Dr. Berlin. It's at D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N. Thank you.